0: Welcome to another Fine Mez, Global Capital's dedicated securitization podcast. Poor George is under the weather, so I'm afraid you'll have to make do with just me, Tom Lemon, and Victoria Teela, our CLO reporter. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Tom. And uh, to be honest, it's not surprising that uh, the, weak, the weakest of the three has fallen. Um, oh. <laughs> because we have been worked to the bone the past uh, couple of weeks, haven't we? Um,
1: I know. I know. What even is daylight?
0: I, <laughs> I was in the office on a Friday.
1: Oh, oh, oh at my like god!
0: Five PM. I'm like, oh, this is is I've this not allowed? Is this legal? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, and and we're actually recording on Monday due to our very hectic schedules. <laughs> We've been putting the final touches on our contributions for. Global Capital's sort of review of the year 2023 report, which is an absolutely enormous document that comes out in about a month, I believe. It's yeah, quite heavy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's actually print, isn't it? Yes,
0: it's print, and it gets sent round to yeah. those who want one. I think, um, but you know, the whole process takes ages. So our deadline is is um, well, it's been and gone, and we've all. <laughs> We've all missed it, but that's how it kind of <laughs> works. Um,
1: I'm sure they give us one that's two two days earlier than it actually is by now. <laughs> yeah,
0: but but it really is a great thing to get your hands on, and definitely good to pretend you're busy working while it's sort of you know <laughs> two or three days before Christmas. So that's a great idea. But yes,
1: but uh, not the only exciting news uh, this week, <laughs> Tom, is that because um, we're this is actually your your goodbye episode no it's not you're staying on the podcast but you're going to New York yeah. uh, are you have you packed on your flight tomorrow No,
0: <laughs> my flight <laughs> is tomorrow I've got to leave my house about eight thirty, and I am nowhere near ready um which is very much in keeping um uh, <laughs> with how I normally do things um yeah but I, I have checked in and I've got my seat yeah. um right let's get to your um, your actual hard work, Talk markets. not only have you done these features, um, <laughs> for the review of the year, you actually did a pretty cool story. Um, you've written about risk retention funds this week. So what was the story?
1: Well, I'm going to start with, uh, the traditional sentence that can never be missed on any of these podcast episodes. So as we all know, the arbitrage, um, has been. <laughs> we, we
0: should get like a, do, do a you bingo want to do or you ever watch QI, where if you said the magic, you. the like the naughty word, so it would like, like it, okay. the alarms go off. <laughs> it's like... I went
1: to I went to this really cool um, antiques shop yesterday and they had a, I almost bought it, but then I didn't want to spend 40 quid on it. It was a 1920s car honk horn thing. It looks like a trumpet and it has this like ball shaped thing. And if you squeeze it, which every single person in that shop did trying to be very quietly, <laughs> um, you're, you're definitely everybody, everybody in a five mile radius is very alert. Um. <laughs> but
0: anyway, anyway so the
1: ARP is, <laughs> the the is bad, exactly. Um, I'm glad we got to say it again. Um, so what has happened over the the past year is that um, it was really hard to get equity investors to take well, third party investors to take the equity tranches of a deal, because very often you would get better returns from the debt tranches um, for lower risk. And that led to, that um, only about two thirds of the CLO managers in Europe have been able to do deals. And it was mostly those who have a risk retention fund or also called captive equity fund that were just sort of coming from the US. Um, That's
0: been all this year.
1: Yeah, yeah. All this year. Yeah. Um, and I, maybe I mean, a little bit before a little, last well. year. Yeah, like sort of last 18 months or so, but mm-hmm. definitely um, this year, I think. Um, I think it's only, th- I think, 38% of European CLO managers have not issued a CLO this oh, year, wow. at the number I read today. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's basically limited to people who can buy their own equity, um, even if it's not really worth it. Um, and they were able to do that because they have these risk retention funds, which they technically have because everybody is obliged to hold a little bit of the CLO paper or like some certain like 5% of it. Um, And that's why these funds were initially set up, but uh, for regulatory reasons. But now, well, that's just like a lot of money. Um, And that was used to, yeah, to take the equity and, um, and get a deal across the line. But that's been going on for months and months now. So some of these funds, some of these CLO managers are running out of funds or need to raise some new ones. And um, yeah, that's turning out to be quite hard to get uh, because, well, the returns are bad. Nobody wants to buy the equity. Um, so why would you buy into a fund that automatically makes you the equity buyer? Um, and um, also the the returns of the funds haven't been that great um, over the past few years. And also if you get 14 percent or so that just looks a lot worse now than it looked a couple of years ago in the zero interest era. So, yeah, people struggle. Because
0: and and the sort of lower MES tranches have sort of ballooned, haven't they, in the last 18 months? And so you can take less risk for pretty similar return, less hassle probably as well. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Um, So, yeah, like on, on some, um, I think the, the latest deal that was priced really had um, 1,050 base points on the single B's um, and on equity tranches. Some people have been saying you hardly get the double digits. Uh, okay. Digits once, once it
0: all sort of shakes out and, and all the rest of it. Yeah. yeah. And then, and there are some, so, so some guys have managed to raise capital. Um C V C priced one this year, right?
1: Exactly. C V C did the the sort of the big headline one. Um they raised the biggest retention fund actually ever, um, with around eight hundred million dollars. Um and there are there are people who are doing it. Oak Tree is working on one, five arrows. Um I heard that Carlisle is also potentially close to um to pricing one, um, and a bunch of other people um have told me sort of off the record that they also might be doing that in the next six months or so. Um but well they probably won't be incentivizing investors with the amazing returns that this is going to make. Um and there there might be other incentives. So in CVC's case, um some people just said, I mean they, they are a private equity firm, they they're really, really good at raising capital and they from what I've heard from some people who were involved in the, with their transactions, it's the private equity team that also is fundraising for the yeah. um for this fund. So they have all the connections um, and the experience. And then what some people suggested is CVC is planning an IPO. Um, it's been delayed a few times, but um, they're they're plotting. They're working towards that. So if you're a shareholder, um, you are you have a motivation to support that thing, um, okay. even if it doesn't immediately yield you 25 percent. Um, so and you might just make up for it a little further down the line because it helps the share price and the CLO, uh, the IPO um, the valuation. Um, And then what some other managers are going to do. I spoke to a risk retention fund lawyer, um, a beautifully specific job. Um, And that person said that what a lot of managers are going to end up doing um, is that they start filling their own captive equity funds now. Um, So we've moved from the only people who can do funds, uh, who can do CLOs, are the managers who have captive equity funds. And we're going to that number is sort of going to shrink further to people who are able to who are big enough firms that they might have a credit opportunities fund somewhere that they can convince um, to buy into their risk retention fund or captive equity fund. So someone um, on a different
0: fund in the same firm.
1: Exactly. Exactly. To go into
0: this CLO equity fund or risk yeah. retention captive equity fund.
1: Okay. Exactly. They're, they're synonymous. Right. There's no so synonymous that's, that's
0: limiting the market. Um, yeah,
1: so so that will make sort of the population of people who can do deals even smaller going forward and sort of a concentration for more and more concentration towards the big guys basically
0: and and does that mean well if that happens and surely that's a little bit of an opportunity perhaps for third-party equity to return they've smaller markets play against no um
1: i'm not sure i was uh, so what third party equity is going to return when the arbitrage is working again um, yeah. sort of at a large scale. So you need either liability um, spreads to tighten or um, the loan prices to come down a bit, um, I know the spiel. Um, and actually yeah. this is a good moment to give a tiny little sneak peek into uh, the other work that I've been doing last week. Um, writing a big feature about a survey that we did among market um, participants about the CLO market and um, to sort of give a small hint, at, like a small taster um, of what you can expect <laughs> there. Uh, one question was, when is third party equity going to return? And um, the the biggest group sort of it was Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 or later. And the biggest group of people was on later. So not at all. <laughs> <the year>. <laughs> so 2020 <laughs> i
0: know
1: yeah um the second biggest group was on q3 so there's a little problem it's, it. it's gonna be interesting
0: uh, to see what stories you write for 12 months with the arms <laughs> not working <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's so many different ways of saying that i've made it through yeah. 12 podcast episodes so yes
0: yeah. well there you go <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: um but yeah so so people don't really think that they're going to be back um There there is a little bit of optimism because um, M&A activity might pick up a little bit and then we get more loan issuance and then secondary loan prices might come down and that might help a bit. Um, But actually what some people have been criticizing is that just the fact that people are doing deals with their captive funds is keeping the problem going um, because normally if the ARP isn't working you would just like nobody would issue until spreads have come down far enough that it's working again or loan prices are are better um, and you
0: build supply that way as well right in the loan exactly
1: market. exactly um so that's sort of kicking the whole like the fluctu- just the natural fluctuations of a supply and demand based market um but what's happening now is that the moment spreads tighten, just like a few base points. People rush to the market, yeah, um, and do all those deals, and then, like we've seen that over the past few weeks, basically, um, yeah. past few months, people rush into the market, price a lot of deals, um, spreads are kept high again just because of this, this sort yeah. of flood of supply, sort of
0: artificially as well. Yeah. Exactly,
1: you are just sort of you're really straightening out the natural movements of the market. Um, hmm. It is, um. What some people have been no, one person um, has been saying is that there might be some tiering between managers. Um, we've talked yeah. about this before, sort of. That's definitely happened in the US. Yeah, but also yeah. tiering in terms of if they have access to third party equity investors. So um, there was this one person who said, well, some some managers might basically never see equity or get third party equity again if they haven't part- performed particularly well. Um, and, yeah in those equity investors will just take a very close look at different CLO managers yeah. um, and be a lot more, a lot more picky. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see.
0: Yeah. Well, we look forward to your little feature as well. Um, but that <laughs> My story- little feature. Little feature. <laughs> I mean, 2,100
1: I mean, are... words. Well, it's only half.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you bought that story is <laughs> called Euro CLO managers struggle to raise more captive equity um and you can read it on global capital as usual
1: yeah i mean you've been you've been busy too tom um, on various features yeah <laughs> um, i thought i, I you...
0: delegated perfectly <laughs> and then george got sick <laughs> he's
1: simulating i'm sure he is
0: <laughs> <laughs> if he's lying <laughs> exactly. i'll never forgive him for that although he did <laughs> He did, as a going away present, he did take me to Arsenal Sevilla on Wednesday, which was very, very kind of him. That's very interesting. Um, Did he already know that he
1: wanted to be sick for the next three days? Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Hmm, funny that. He goes to Arsenal Sevilla then suddenly... What a coincidence. Yeah.
1: But but yeah, why don't we? Why don't you? Do you think it would offer you some some relief from this hard work if it bore some immediate fruit by you telling us um, yes. about what you've been doing? So regulation, I think, it was your favorite. Yeah, topic.
0: I love. I go on about how I love writing about regulation and looking <laughs> at it, um, and and this story I want to talk about is actually by um, a colleague, uh, a new colleague, new reporter on the people markets beat, called Gaia Freydefont. Um But anyway, so. Afme came out with a report on the uh, on the CMU, the Capital Markets Union. Um, it's their, their sixth edition of this sort of, re- I think it's an annual report they do. Don't
1: they um, say every year that nothing has happened, there's been zero progress? Because and- <laughs> I wrote about like when I was well, still on equities, I wrote a story like that last like a year ago.
0: <laughs> well, well, yes, but there's and you know, the pace of change in European politics can be quite slow or EU level, shall we say, um, but it was interesting to me because, and, and Gaia, I suppose, because it spoke quite a lot about securitization being sort of symptomatic of a broader lack of competitiveness, um, I, I suppose maybe like a lack of cohesion almost in the EU to, to being able to compete with, I suppose, as an economic superpower with the likes of the US and and China. Um, and Gaia spoke to Sean Badley, at, um, who's the managing director for securitization at AFME, that many of the listeners will know well. Um, and I, I, I was actually on the call as well. and um, and And he was talking about how there seems to have been this sort of political shift, I suppose, at the very highest levels of the sort of domestic governments. And it seems like they're getting it. I think he says at one point like the p- political will is there, and that's that's quite significant.
1: Would you say that is FMI um, trying to make securitization not lame?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Easter think...
1: egg for our La listeners of last episode. Um, yes. Has actually, yes. Has any, so, but has anything changed, or is it just them identifying this securitization as sort of the key element now, or?
0: Well, yeah, so I think that's, you know, that's what I get into a little bit in the future that I've been uh, hurriedly writing for the last few days. Um, and, you know, nothing's really changed yet, but but the tone is shifting. and And the fact that in this report that's you know, that's going to be distributed across capital markets in Europe. It's not just about securitization. The fact that they're hamming up securitization in this broader report is quite telling to me. Um, and, you know, there's a few things to consider there. So the EU parliamentary elections are coming up in June. Um, and, you know, the new commissioners will come in and all the rest of it. And it's almost like they're getting ready to for their lobbying efforts for those sorts of those new commissioners, those new MEPs, et cetera. Um, and I think it's it's gonna be really interesting to follow next year, because that focus on securitization makes me wonder a little bit um, whether we might see a sort of dramatic twist in Europe around those sorts of regulations. So to be clear, the timelines, because I suppose because we're coming to the end of the parliamentary terms in the EU, mm. timelines are basically for nothing, of any great consequence to happen. Um, and it, I just sort of wonder if something will. Um, I think someone, when I was writing for the feature, someone said to me something along the lines of, well, you know, if you look at, okay, the, the EU, perhaps from a British perspective, has been notorious for slow change and taking forever to get anything agreed, and it ends up as a, what do they call it, a European fudge. Um, and perhaps nowhere is that more true than in securitization. <laughs> but if you look at something like the COVID recovery packages that got done, mm. the political will was there; Ever, enough people on board, and it got done very, very quickly. And mm. I wonder if you know we get we've got we've had good sort of interventions from uh, a German sort of centre right MEP Marcus Ferber had one from Paul Tang, the Dutch MEP. And then we've had that letter from uh, Bruno Le Maire and Christian Linder, the German and French, uh, French and German uh, finance ministers. So, so you do get the sense that there's a relatively broad appeal. And it's not so much about suddenly everyone's like, yeah, I, I really love, I've all been, you know, <laughs> what's the word? I've been having a great little look at structured finance in, the, in my spare time. I don't think it's about that. It's not about like people suddenly likes the industry.
1: Bedtime I think,
0: reading. <laughs> yeah, bedtime reading. Securitization regs. Hey, this this sounds crazy. Um
1: and <laughs> hey, <Turner>, a biter. <laughs> yeah.
0: What's going to happen next? Um, no, what I think is I mean is, for once
1: that is a really interesting question it seems.
0: Well, yeah, but what I think is happening is this is about the CMU. This is mm-hmm. about Europe being having a financial system That is globally competitive. And if you're getting rid of cheap central bank funding and you want to finance a green transition and digital transition and you need an extra half a trillion a year, well, you'd probably want to use all the tools at your disposal to the fullest extent that you can, like every other major superpower block sort of thing in in the world does. And they're not doing it right now. And I think they've cottoned on to that that's yeah. what i think is is making me think that maybe something dramatic will happen but who knows what i i, I that is complete pontification um, but i think it's an interesting thing to follow for the next um, yeah next few months next yeah. year or so. so like if they and want we,
1: you to be part of that lobbying effort um, was that your yourself <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah ask me what jobs you got i might i might hate new york sure hit me up uh, <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: that, that is really interesting. Um, and yeah, everybody who wants to read all the details about that, that um, we didn't dive into the nitty gritty on this 20 uh, minute podcast episode, you <laughs> can read the story on Global Capital. It has a beautifully short name. It's AFME securitization, the key to CMU. And Tom, are you are you working on anything interesting next week apart from or this week, um, Um, apart from sitting on a plane and uh, um, being jet lagged? Yeah,
0: well, so I'm flying all day tomorrow, so I won't be doing much. I've got Football Manager downloaded on my personal laptop, which just came out last week, so absolutely nothing work related. And I take loads of diazepam because I don't like flying. Um, (laughs) But if I can get over the jet lag, uh, I would really, really love to write about this very interesting development, which is that scope ratings, um, they're sort of, they're, you know, they're, they're pretty, I guess they are a much smaller rating agency than likes of Moody's and S&P, but I wonder for how much longer, because they have been cleared by the ECB to have Eurosystem eligibility, which means they will be rating a whole load of things including eventually not yet eventually securitization um that that are eligible for being purchased by the by the ecb um and i think i wrote about this sort of potential the potential for this maybe 18 months ago um i'm very sure george wasn't around when when i was writing about it and um you were very busy on equities, so um, it was a long time ago, and it's finally happened, and it's, it's a very significant moment, and um, I'm sure it's one that will get tongues wagging. so I would love to get to get going on that once I get settled Can do that. Uh, Yeah, and what about you? Lots of work. you're going to be covering everyone. I am, me out
1: be I am covering one. I am going to be a US CLO reporter. I was a UK RMBS reporter today, um, and occasionally <laughs> as a little side hobby, I'm going to cover European CLOs. I Um Arimi has priced its its deal, and it's uh, on Friday late, actually. Um, but it's it's an interesting one because it's a debut issuer, and people were anticipating mm. that with a lot of curiosity because the market right now isn't exactly like the greatest we've ever seen, um, and it's getting towards the year end. So, and we have Arini and Sona, two debut issuers. Um, well, we had them in the pipeline, Arini has priced now. Um, so I think I'm going to spend a little more. I wrote a short story about that, um, but I think I'm going to look a little more into sort of yeah. the details of the deal and um, what, what- 15 you basis
0: points on. premium. That's pretty darn good.
1: It, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, For a debut. Further down in the capital structure, I mean, sort of like single Bs aren't that, like because there's so much that can that can fluctuate. Um, but further down, occasionally they priced a bit tighter than um, oh, good. some other recent deals. So, um, yeah, I so like I'm sure a... they'll
0: be very happy to talk to you about that. Uh... I'm sure <laughs> they will. <laughs> um, but for now, though, I guess it's um, it's goodbye. And I'm looking forward to doing this when I'm really jet-lagged um, <laughs> at 7 a.m. <laughs> to fit in like, with everyone's feel like busy schedule. You. <laughs> You're
1: gonna be at, like prime yeah. performance at that time.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, um, you can of course get in touch with us at um, tom.lemon or victoria.tila at globalcapital.com. Um, and yeah, I guess. Have a lovely week and goodbye. <laughs>